Hi, I'm Megan Francis. And I'm Dave Kroc. And this is the LifeWork Podcast. In this show, we'll explore what it really takes to build a business while designing a life that matters. At some point, every creative person asks themselves if they should follow their passions in life or go the sensible route. But what if you don't have to choose? What if instead you can set yourself up to live a flexible life and do the things that really matter to you through hard work and smart planning? In episode eight of Life Work, I'm talking with Joe Nolan, a former investment banker who retired from his first career at 50 and is now the owner of Good Harvest Market, a thriving natural food store in the Milwaukee area. He's also a seasoned singer and actor. I actually met him because we're both in a play together right now. And as a marathon and Ironman athlete, says he's in the best shape of his life at 55. In this episode, Joe and I talk about the importance of having a plan to manage your finances, career, health, and life, why you don't have to be a starving artist in order to make art, and what it's like to start a completely new kind of business in the latter half of your career. It's an inspiring conversation you'll definitely want to listen to. Hi, Joe. Nice to have you on the show. Oh, hi, Megan. Nice to be here. Thank you. Of course. Um, So as I said in the intro, the way I met Joe is that we uh, are currently performing in a musical together called Next to Normal. And as happens, we somehow got on the topic of business and entrepreneurship. I feel like that happens a lot with people who are business owners. And um, I thought he would be a great guest for the show because it's really interesting how your career path has allowed you to do things... um, you know, maybe not in your 20s, like a lot of people would have wanted to do, <laughs> but has now allowed you to have some flexibility to pursue hobbies and passions that, you, that you've wanted to for a while. So let's start at way back at the beginning um, and just kind of take us through your career up until now. All right. Well, I, um, at age 24, 25, I got a job as a financial advisor with a regional brokerage firm called Robert W. Baird and Company, Robert W. Baird, and um, which now has probably 70 offices around the country, started in the Midwest and then has gone out outside of the Midwest, down to the Southeast, um, as well as out to California and such. Um, So I started that when I was 25. And um, when I was 40, um, I did my own financial plan and, and all along the way I've um, done financial planning for people. That's what I did. I helped invest people's money, but to do so I used some um, for many years, some very sophisticated, sophisticated software programs to help come up with plans um, and goals. Actually, first we started with the goals and then we put the plans together to help achieve those goals. And, and when I was about 40, I did my own, plan. And I only know this because when I turned 50 and I retired, um, I looked back in my folder and I found out that I had done a plan for myself. (laughs) And the plan was to see if I could retire at age 50. Um, And I set the goal to, to, to do that. And I set and process the plan, the financial plan to be able to do that. Um, And I did the same thing for my clients along the way. Um, I, I try to help them figure out what their goals are for retirement. When would they, what's the earliest date they'd like to retire? And, um, and from that goal, um, my 
then we put together a plan to try to get them to that place. And then if they decided to keep working, they could. Well, when I turned 50, I decided, you know what? I, I love the investment business. I've been in it for 25 years, but I really, um, it's, it's, it's stressful and there's other things that I love to do. One of the things I love to do is five years earlier, my wife and I decided that the area needed a natural food store. So we did our due diligence, um, researched uh, the area, researched other natural food stores around the country, like a, a Whole Foods. Can I mention Whole Foods? Um, <laughs> sure. Okay. Whole Foods. Um, there is a co-op in the area. We, we called them. We called Whole Foods to find out if they were interested in our area, which is about 20 miles west of Milwaukee, of opening up a store and nobody was. So we saw an opportunity. And to me, it was just, um, it wasn't that big of a deal to open up a second business mm. because I was already doing my other business uh, only because I've got a lot of energy. I've got a lot of ideas. And we also had the idea, uh, we also had the plan not to be there full-time working, that we would hire enough staff to be able to, because we had no experience in groceries other than eating and buying them. <laughs> yeah. Um, that uh, that we needed some experienced people to to manage to manage that. And as I told my wife when we were thinking about it, I said, this just can't be rocket science, right? You buy, you sell. Yeah. Um, but it was rocket science. And most <laughs> most of the rocket science was getting the right people in place to manage the store, especially the general manager. We went through five or six different general managers in three years until we found the right one. And now we've been open 11 years and, and the, the guy we founded our third year is still with us and, and definitely was the right guy. So from day one, you knew coming in, you, you did not intend to work in the store full time. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So that, okay. So backing up to when you made the plan um, at 40 that then you forgot about <laughs> until you found uh, it right. later, right. but somehow managed to work out, you know, to the year. Did you have any idea at that time, whether you were going to, want to continue working or not? I mean, did you see yourself starting another business after retirement or was that sort of just a happy accident? So at age 40, uh, let's see, we must've started when I, the, um, the store started when I was 45. So okay. no, at age 40, it was, it was not, it wasn't even a, a dream or anything. Never thought about opening up another business. I was just thinking that at age 50, I wanted to accumulate enough assets that I could live off those assets for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. um, what happened was then, at age 45, we did start the store at age 50, we stopped losing money. <laughs> so we lost, <laughs> we lost a good portion of money for the first four or five years. Yeah. Um, oh, and one of the reasons we lost money was we opened up a second location and that, that bombed because yeah. it was right in the recession, the great recession. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, even though we did all our planning on that store, it just didn't work out because of timing. But at any rate, at age 50, I was then finally able to not have to pay into the store that we purchased and actually it started turning a profit, which helped. And so we've got both our asset base that we built up plus the income that we get off of our store that uh, has allowed me to do the things um, that we love to do, right, Megan? Yeah. Like, so like theater. <laughs> yeah, like theater. So talk about that a little bit. Um, and not just theater, you just ran in the Boston Marathon, um, which required considerable travel and time off. Um, mm -hmm. You don't live in so just a little backstory for listeners. We're performing in a, a theater that's local to me, but um, but Joe's not from here. You live about three hours away. So not having to be on site in your business has allowed you to do things like travel around um, to do shows and go to Boston and run and, and that. So talk about those kind of passions outside of work and how 
your setup has allowed that to happen. Yeah, to happen. Um, well, obviously, health is very important to us, um, or to me, um, which is one of the reasons we were eating healthy and why we decided that, hey, our area needed a natural food store to, to be able to, um, well, for selfish reasons, we didn't right. have to travel 20 or 30 miles to buy our organic foods. We could just travel to our store. Um, when I turned 40, I had what they now term a dad bod. Uh, are you familiar with that? <laughs> yes, a little, a little doughy and little doughy, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. I thought I looked pretty good, but then I saw some pictures of me on stage, and I said, "Oh, that's that's not who I think I am." Right. And so um, I went. I decided, you know what? I'm going to run a marathon. Now, I hadn't re- I hadn't run any races, and I never did more than two or three miles. Um, and I hadn't done that except in my 20s. So right. at age 40, I decided I'm going to do a marathon, and I set. I, I set that goal and I put a plan in place. I, I had to do so many miles every week. Obviously, I was newer to the sport, brand new to the sport. So I had to have, I had to build up a base. So I did my reading, my research, and um, and then by the time I turned 41, I had done this marathon. Well, yeah, it's 10 years later or, t- or more. And, um, and I've now qualified and done a couple of Boston marathons. Um, and, and, uh, <laughs> You know, I don't consider myself an athlete, and the next mm. thing I'll tell you, you'll probably say I'm wrong, but I consider myself a, a very good planner. Um, the So I did the marathon, and then a couple of years later, I had heard about this Ironman thing, and I said, well, that sounds good. But So I signed <laughs> up for one. I signed yeah. up for an Ironman in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. The problem was, and I signed up a year early, the problem was I, I couldn't swim more than a lap. And I mean just one length of a pool without having to stop and breathe because wow. I didn't know how to swim or swim well. And, um, I just, I just figured, well, if I can swim a lap, I can probably do a little bit more. I knew from my running experience of building up to a marathon, uh, that I could probably build up to be a swimmer. And, and so in fact, I was able to do that. I had never biked anywhere close to 112 miles before, but I was able to build up to that. And, and a year later, in fact, I did do the, the Ironman and now it's been a decade later and I've done four Ironman and, wow. um, and gotten faster each one, which is good. I am in better shape at age <clears throat> at age, <laughs> age fifty. Well, we know you're fifty something. Age, okay. <laughs> yeah. At age fifty five, I'm in better shape than maybe ever in my life. And I was an athlete in in um, oh, not an athlete. I participated in athletics in high school. Um, uh, so uh, I, I, <laughs> you but, participated in athletics. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a I'm a better athlete now. I, or I'm, yeah. I'm I'm in best shape of my life. I can, I can run with anybody, uh, bike with anybody. And, um, so I think it's all a matter of setting goals and a plan to get those goals. And, and, um, I think I've attested that to that both, both with my athletics, as well as the couple of businesses that I've built up. Wow. So that is, I mean, I think a lot of people (laughs) would get in a pool at, at 40 plus and, you know, poop out after half a lap and then think, well, this isn't for me or I'm too old or I don't like this. Um, but it sounds like, how are you able, you know, I'm sure you didn't like it. I'm sure when you were in the pool that first time it sucked. <laughs> so how did sure. you push through that? Like, how do you motivate yourself, um, to have that discipline when things aren't going well or, or it's an uncomfortable um, yeah. part of the process. Well, and this, this, uh, the first Ironman training was the year we were planning the store. Mm. So I had hours and hours in the pool and in the bike and running that I was able to just think about 
what did we want to have in the store, where were we going to put this, what were we going to do with that, what kind of financials did we need and all that. Um, so that really gave me the 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 time to to devote to that that planning. Um, yeah, I still don't like this one. I just swam uh, 45 minutes today. I don't really like this. I hate to jump in and get cold, but um, I just do it because I, in my case, I've got a half Ironman next month. So I, I've got to get in right. shape for it if I don't want to <clears throat> hurt myself. Um, so I don't, I, you know, I tell people when I had that Doughboy, um, I mean, excuse me, the dad, the bod, dad body. Yeah. Um, uh, I figured I could either um, eat less or exercise more. And I love to eat. Well, I, yeah. I, that's why we opened this grocery store. I love to eat and I decided, oh, I'm going to exercise more. And um, so I do know that it's kept me healthier. I'm able to eat things that I love. You know, I eat healthier probably mm -hmm. than the normal person, but I, I still love fried chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, wow. <laughs> nobody, nobody from my local area, hey, hopefully, will hear it. It could be fried organic uh, chicken that was, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, free range. You and <laughs> sure, sure. Um, so, okay. So now let's talk about outside of exercise and work. So you mm -hmm. perform, and you have you said for what ten or twenty years? Uh, twenty years ago, twenty-one okay. years ago, I think this year. Okay. Mm -hmm. So let's back up further than that, though, because I remember you telling me a story, and, and this is one of the things I want to kind of tease out in this interview. Um, you told me that you were in your 20s and sort of had to make a decision whether you were going, because you always loved music and you loved performing, and you had to kind of decide whether you were going to pursue that as a career. And did you tell me someone talked you out of it? I can't remember now the yes. story. Okay, well, so tell and story. it was even not in my 20s. It was, um, uh, you know, I, had, I was used to getting great grades in high school. Oh, it was high school. Okay. Well, so uh, so I was getting, you know, my last senior year was probably straight A's. Um, and I got to my freshman year of college and I just wasn't as motivated. I uh, loved the music and singing, but the uh, other classes, I just wasn't wasn't putting my all mm -hmm. my effort into it. And I got less than a, I had a 1.9 grade <laughs> point average the first semester. And so I went to my choir director and I said, you know, I think I'm going to quit and try to make my living as a, as a singer, see if I can do something. And, and he was, um, wise, a wise man. And he said, he just thought I'd be making a mistake. And certainly in retrospect, it was just a stupid young thing to say and to do. Now, maybe people are good enough to make it in the in music business, but the majority are not. And he just said, you know, you're much better off. Get a good education, get a good job and do that as your passion, the things after work. Um, but you've, you'll probably not be able to make it if you make it in the music, even if you are as talented as, as you think you are. Right. Um, <laughs> um, and so that, I, yeah, I took that heart, stayed in school and finished. And um, here I am retired at age 50 and enjoying yeah. my life. Well, I think, I mean, there's so many things to tease out there. But I, one of them is I think there's this idea, and especially, you know, it's hard when you're a teenager and tw in your 20s young, you think today is all you have. And you're not thinking, you know, 30 years down the road, I mean you might as well just be dead. You'd be so irrelevant. You know, when you're, when you're young sure, like that, you're not, sure. you're not thinking about that. Um, it has to be now or never. And I think that there's kind of this interesting contrast where, <clears throat> um, it can be very all or nothing. Like we want to encourage kids to follow their passions and their dreams. Um, and we don't want to be the stodgy person who's like, no, just get your business degree or, you know, just get a regular job at the same time. 
I've and I was in a similar place in my 20s where I was trying to decide, you know, what I was going to pursue, um, even younger than that. And it really wasn't about me not wanting to do theater. It was about me not wanting to do theater as a job. And whether or not I had the chops for it is kind of irrelevant. I wasn't going to push myself the way I would have needed to. So it's like there are those people, right? There's that small major or that small minority of people who that's all they could do. Like they can't imagine themselves doing anything else. Um, and those are the people who I'd say, yeah, do that. <laughs> but right. everybody else, if you can set yourself up, you know, you've got decades ahead of you, decades of life um, that you can pursue all these different things. And so I love hearing that you kind of reverse engineered it in a way. Did yeah. you know that in your 20s or, or before that even that it's something you wouldn't do for a living but that you would return to later? Uh, theater or music? Theater or music, yeah, performing. Um, no, it was never part of my plan early on. I mean, I didn't think just like anybody, like you said, in their 20s yeah. um, or teens, you don't think that far ahead. But um, I certainly have always – that's always been a passion. Music has always been a passion. Yeah. So I've always sang – theater I, I got to a little later but um i have always saying i can't imagine uh never having never having continued singing did i get paid for it sometimes right. but most of the time not most of the time it was the passion uh, just like mm -hmm. you uh, and the majority of us yeah. that do this we do it because it's a passion not not necessarily because it's gonna make a difference financially yeah. in our lives right and i think sometimes that that um <clears throat> simplifies it a bit and makes it less for me anyway, not having to, I mean, because I've been a writer for many years and for a lot of people, writing is similar to what performance is for us. It's a passion. It's an art. Um, and they have a really hard time with the transactional nature of making a career out of it. I never really had that relationship with my, the written word. I really love to write something like essay writing and memoir um, is more of the art the art side for me, but I've never tried to build a career around that. And that separation really helped me in a lot of ways because it takes away the conflict of, you know, am I doing this because I want to do it or am I doing it because I get paid? Do I have to do that crappy commercial <laughs> because right. I'm not getting any other paid work? And then how do I feel about that? And so it's, you know, it's interesting. I know a lot of people in their 20s, 30s, um, and 40s even who have been kind of struggling to make it as a working artist. And I really respect that, but there is another way. You know, you can you can do it in a different way that doesn't that it's not required to put food on the table. And I think sometimes that just makes it a little more fun and a lot less complicated. Mm -hmm. yeah. A lot less stress. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. So when you were planning, and you've talked a lot about planning, you're a great planner, and I'm I'm definitely picking up on that. Um, kind of walk me through what that looks like for you. <clears throat> if you have a goal and it's a five-year-out goal or a 10-year-out goal, are you reverse engineering it where you're saying, this is where I'm going to be in 10 years and here I'm walking backward? How do you get... Yes. Okay, yeah. so... So I've yeah. always done that from the beginning of my building up my investment practice. So let's talk about my investment yeah. practice. Um, um, while I worked for a firm, Robert W. Baird, they let us run our business as though it was our business. So it was up to us to build that practice. And early on... Um, Early on, I felt that, it, that early on we were called stockbrokers. Right. And stockbrokers bought and sold stocks. And and it kind of uh, every time we bought or sold a stock, we got a commission. Didn't matter, matter whether we made money or lost money for our clients, we made a commission. Right. And to me, that was always just felt wrong because how do you know? I'm not calling you because I need, I want another commission. <laughs> right. um, and so early on, I, I, I saw there was another way, which is, which is to get paid based on our assets. Um, and that is, um, I'll get a small percentage 
1% or less of your of the assets that I manage for you. And so by doing that, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't get paid more to sell something or buy something because I'm, I'm getting paid either way. The thing is, I get paid more if I can do well for you. If your right. account doubles in a few years, guess what? My fee is doubled too. And you'll be happy it did because that right. means your account doubled. Right. So, um, so um, early on, I figured that out and I figured, well, the, then the way to be successful in my business is um, to raise as much money as I can to, um, to, to do well in my investments for my clients. And so that was the other part of it. You still had to invest well. And early on, I realized that investing well for my clients meant actually being very diversified. I'm, I'm a big believer and we're getting into investments, but you, yeah, you should know this so. too, man. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, asset allocation or diversification, there's been studies done about how when you have more different types of investments, diversified investments like mutual funds, but you want to buy a, a lot of different types of mutual funds because some things zig when other things zag. So for instance, if you have an international mutual fund, that may do well when U.S. stocks do poorly, okay? Mm -hmm. And by combining a bunch of different kinds of mutual funds, a very diversified portfolio, you can minimize the ups and downs of your portfolio, yet getting a good long-term return. Okay. What I what I found by by using asset allocation, by using this diversification process, is my clients did well over the long run. For instance, in the decade of 2000 to 2010, the stock market was down hmm. um, from 2000 to 2010, and my average client made six percent, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when the stock market was down. Overall, right. that was a lot because they were up 60% or more um, in that decade. So I, so I was, I was conservative with their money. I just wanted to make sure that if the market fell a lot, that they didn't lose a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Yet I wanted them to to help them in the upside. So that helped me um, get a good clientele, keep a good clientele, and raise the assets that I was managing. When I finally retired and sold my practice to my partners, um, we had over 200 million dollars we were managing and. Wow. I could have stayed there because I was still young, right? 50 yeah. years old, that's young. I could have stayed there another decade and made millions in, yeah. in, in fees to myself. But <laughs> that, that was not as important as what I told my clients, which is, you know, you only live once and yeah. um, you want to make as many memories as you can. And, and it's not all about the dollar. I've had plenty of clients that died over the years and I helped them, you know, and their, their spouses through their death. Um, and nobody on their deathbed said, oh gosh, I wish I had a few more bucks. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what they said. They thought yeah. about their, the memories, their friends, their family. Um, and I try to get my clients to realize that that's what it's about. It's not about the money. The money can get you to certain places. That, right. And that's what I was for, to help them get there. But in the end, it's not about the money. It's about their, their friends and families and memories. So then when you're 40 and you're looking forward to retiring at 50, how did you arrive at the number? How did you know what was so the So I used, as I said I, early on, I used some sophisticated software programs to help um, generate, um, to, to show me what my returns would be in my portfolio over the next decade. Right. If I had this much now, if I saved this much each year, and if I invested in this manner, how much should I have? And then furthermore, at age 50, if I started drawing out X amount of dollars a year, let's say $100,000, how long would that money last? And so there's some great software tools out there um, that early on nobody had. Now, now 
hopefully everybody has it. And without that tool, I'd be just flying blind. And that's what many financial planners mm. used to do. Not anymore. Hopefully everybody's using these great tools. But if you are in it, and um, if you are doing your own investing, hopefully you've got these tools because without it, you're, again, flying blind. You're just guessing. Right. Um, I talked to somebody yesterday or the day before, a woman who's in her mid-50s. She's a teacher and, and she's got a pension she can get. And I said, well, I, I asked her a little. I said, "Do you, are you going to start taking it? Oh, I don't think I can. I said, really? You don't know? And she's, I said, do you, do you not have a financial advisor or a planner that you can talk with? She said, no, it's long. It's way too past for that or way too, oh. to, uh, I, I, I can't do that anymore or whatever. I screwed up early on. And, and I, that made me think that, you know, everybody from early on, if you, most people aren't planners like I am or goal setters, but you need somebody in your life. And if that's a financial planner or financial advisor, you need somebody to help you set some goals because it's, um, uh, well, I just think it's, it's vital to be able to achieve your dreams. Right. So, okay. So if someone is self-employed, and this is something I hear a lot, or someone has just mm -hmm. started a business, um, mm -hmm. and they don't know necessarily, let's say you're 30 and you've just started a business and you know, you want to retire at 55 or something. Sure. How do you come up with a number when you really don't know yet? what mm -hmm. your earning potential might be. And it could be so all over the place. That's, I think a lot of place people in that position end up just kind of putting it off until, you know, I'll put it off until I know, until I've had a year behind me and, and I can kind of see some patterns. And the thing that we realize um, as business owners is that sometimes it really isn't like a pattern doesn't emerge necessarily in the sure. first few years. It takes a while. So how, what, if you had a client who was self-employed and just didn't uh -huh. know what their income was going to be, how would you help them, you know, make a retirement goal? Well, I, I would, whether they're employed or not employed, it's the same process, which is, okay, let's talk about what's going to, if you were to retire today, and that's what I would always say, if you were to retire today, how much would you need for everything? Okay. Yeah. You're going to pay some rent or you're going to have a mortgage. You're going to um, travel. Okay. Thousand dollars a month for travel. How much is your food going to be? And we'd come up with a number and yeah. that might be 50,000 a year for one person, whatever it might be. Okay. Great. That's the starting point. 50000 in today's dollars. If you were to retire, that's how much you need, you'd need per year. Now, it's going to be 25 years from now, so that 50000 with inflation is now 200000 Right. We're going to need to, to acquire $3 million, whatever the number is. And how are we going to do that? And I would show them, okay, based on that, you're going to have to save $10,000 a year, $1,000 a month or whatever. So you'd still do the same in the process. The fact is that you're right. They may not have any income to be able to save, but mm -hmm. at least they've got some, something they can start with. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but it, it, I think the process is the same as if you were going to retire today, how much would you need to live comfortably and, and, you know, achieve your dreams, whatever those might be. And, and keeping in mind that living comfortably looks different for everyone. And that's, I guess, part of the process yeah. too. Just like right. you deciding it was more important for you to quit working at 50, although you didn't quite quit, but, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, it was more important than to make the extra, however number, you know, many number of millions you could have made between 50 and 60. Right. Um, I am curious how you, how you decided that, like what, you know, besides just making the plan to get you to retirement, how did you mm -hmm. know this is going to feel, this is the way at my lifestyle, uh, I guess this lifestyle is enough or this is the, where I want to be at yeah. that point in, in my life right. for the rest of your life, potentially. Right. What's, what's enough? Well, so financially I knew that I had enough that I could retire, especially because we knew that there should be some income from the store. I right. mean, you're still 
I mean, the store could go belly up, you know, yeah. I mean, you never know what could happen when you have a small business. So we were taking a little bit more of a chance, um, by doing that. But, um, uh, you know, everybody's going to have to make that decision. Uh, again, I, I tried to get to all my clients that were working to the point that they could retire. Now, the majority of my clients didn't retire. Mm-hmm. I mean, I- even if they could, like me, they might keep on working. But that may be because they didn't have outside interests. I've got a lot of outside interests. Uh, <laughs> I travel, I've got theater, I've got, you know, the music, the store, which, uh, you know, to me isn't, yes, it's a business, but it, to me, it's a Oh, it's a passion to help mm-hmm. to help people. Really, it's not about the money at all. Yeah, um, it's it's more about. I love the fact that we're helping local people get healthier, and we we. I mean, I just love getting emails from people saying you have changed my life, and you know nothing yeah. could feel better. Yeah, so that's really cool because it's it's like you kind of front loaded your life a little bit with the work and the planning and some of the hard stuff maybe that people tend to kind of put off. There's so. Many people now, there's this idea of your 20s just being this kind of lost decade almost, um, where you're just figuring out what you're going to do and, and dabbling in things. And um, sometimes I tell people, you know, your 20s and 30s, you've got a lot of energy and focus and knock some stuff out then. <laughs> so when you get to 40 or 50, you can have sort of a second, like a second act, if you will, and sure. um, pursue something completely different in that season of life. And that's really... That's really cool. Well, uh, let me just one last thing is sure. uh, in regards to that, as a financial advisor, I, I, I also advise my clients not to put off making some memories during the work. That's true. Because I had, I've had clients that would work, 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 retire and die. Yeah. And, and that, ha- you know, <laughs> yeah. looking forward all the time, looking forward to retirement and what fun they were going to have. And then they pass away. And, right. Um, uh, um, so I was more, I tried to get people to understand that, yes, you can save, you can save, you can save, but it's not all about that. Right. Take some of that savings and invest in your memories by taking a trip to wherever you want to go when you're still young and healthy and you can do this versus waiting till you retired and you didn't do any of this and yeah. something might happen. Yeah. And that's kind of what building a, you know, a flexible work life is, is about for me. Um, and staying in, in, staying healthy enough and energetic enough that I can work hard and play hard. I don't really want to choose one or the other, um, at any point, but (laughs) especially not while I'm still, like you said, making, making those memories and, and having, you know, a young family and and that kind of thing as well. There's no point in having kids and then never seeing them because you're working so hard to deliver whatever it is you think you're supposed to, you're supposed to financially. So, right. Um, I did want to ask you too, um, when you were, when you were in the investment business, were you, was it just you? Did you have a team? Uh, I was me and my, my assistants. And then, um, in my forties, as I was considering, um, selling off my practice and my practice got too big. So actually I did bring in a partner because my practice got just too big for just myself. Um, and then eventually I brought in a, a second partner as I was going to, you know, five years from retirement, maybe four years, so that I could train these two individuals to do exactly what I've been doing, right. using the same software, the same everything, to make sure that the clients got um, what they were used to getting um, from me. So um, we just needed two of them because the the business got so big. Yeah. So, and okay. just so you know, one of them sings and the other one acts, but they don't both like I do. See, so they okay. needed, I needed a singer. I needed an actor. Nice. In this case, we divided into two. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So 
So, but when you were, even with the partners, you yeah. were the one making the majority of the contact with your client. Like you were working one-on-one with people. Yes. Right. Yeah. And then Correct. you went from that to a model that's completely different. So what are what are some of the things that carried over and, and what did you kind of have to, to learn anew? I mean, I can see how that would be really, you know, going from having one client you're focused on, serving that person's needs to having, to needing to have mass numbers really to make, to make a go of it. Okay. Early on, we're talking about and when I, yeah. Um, well, the nice, you know, the nice thing was I, because I did do well, um, because I always put the clients first, the clients needs. Um, and that, that's not to say that most financial advisors don't, but a lot of, a lot of commission people, and I was still, they considered me on commission because, um, my, my income varied, but, um, what I told, what I told young, and I also trained financial advisors as well, kind of okay. on how I did my practice. I helped other Robert W. Baird advisors kind of pick up that way of business. Um, what I told them was the, the dollars will come if you figure out the goal. It's, it's really, what are the client's goals? It comes down to that. And how should you be invested for them? Don't, um, and in any sales business, don't look at the bottom line, the commissions that you make for yourself um, as anything but um, a scorecard for how well you did for your clients over the long run. Um, don't, and so that's why I changed to the practice the way I did it, which was fee-based business um, because I, I didn't want to think about commissions. All I wanted to do was think about how can I figure out what their needs are and how can I meet meet those needs. It's the same thing in our um, grocery store, our natural food stores, what are the needs of our local community and how can we meet those? And sales have come, our sales are over $10 million after, you know, after 10 years, which is great for a little from nothing shop. Mm -hmm, Um, so I didn't answer the question, I I guess. Um, (laughs) I I got a lot of, you know, I got a lot of referrals. The nice thing was I, I, I was, I was good at what I did. I did well for my clients. They referred a lot of people. So I didn't have to do a lot of after the first decade. Now the first decade we cold called, you know, I, uh, we cold called, cold called, cold called. That's what it yeah. was is to get clients. Somebody came to our show yesterday, um, that I cold call in my first year of business. Um, and I was 25, 26 and, um, she remains a friend. She's in her seventies. She, she, her husband's got Alzheimer's. They were, a perfect example of clients that I, you know, help realize, Hey, make some memories early. And, and fortunately, because he, you know, he came down with Alzheimer's in his seventies. Um, they've really enjoyed their, their life together. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I co- I cold called my first year and she said, the reason I got her business was I was honest. She said, how'd you get my name? And I said, well, I, I've called other people in your your neighborhood and I have clients there. And so I thought, well, they have money. Maybe you have money too. <laughs> so I was just honest. <laughs> yeah. And, and she said, you know, that honesty went a long way and she's been, she was a loyal client ever since and, and became friend, friends, her and her husband. So, hmm. um, you know, being honest, figuring out goals. I mean, it's, it's just, it's may sound like that's the way everybody should do it. Yeah. And it is. That's yeah. the way everybody yeah, yeah. should do it. Yeah. Well, and I'm I'm just thinking more specifically, I guess, I'm thinking about now carrying that model or that mm-hmm. train that that framework, I guess, forward into a business that's completely different. So, yes, you're still thinking of the client's needs, uh your customers' needs in your community, but now you have to kind of scale that 
quickly too, because you're trying to serve so many more people at the store than uh-huh. you were in investing. So I'm just wondering what you kind of had to learn. Was there a mind shift, you know, a mindset shift that had to happen there? Or was that what the general manager was for? And you were, you know. <laughs> um, well, well, you know what, um, uh, you know, total different business. Absolutely. Yeah. We're still meeting people's needs. Um, one of the things that frustrated me was um, it was hard to gather information about what, what did the natural food customer want and need. And um, there's not, like just couldn't go to the internet and find that information. I was frustrated. So I actually found a small group of stores that had fo- formed a co-op, independent natural food stores that had formed a co-op. And there were probably 20 stores in this group when we joined. Um, and now it's over 200 around the country. And they're called independent natural food stores, retailers association infra. Um, and, I was able to get information about other stores and, and the bigger we've gotten, the easier it's the bigger we've gotten as far as number of stores Mm. around the country, the easier it has got, uh, it has become to get the information about, Hey, what does, what do your natural food store buyers buy? What are your top 20 products for instance, or 30 or 40? What are the best practices? So we, it was, it was a lot harder because I couldn't, um, uh, I couldn't find information readily you know, again, it's a total yeah. different business from the investments. But over the years, um, I've become very active in this organization. In fact, I've just just timing off on the board. I was the chairperson, and it's been a very rewarding. Not financially because we don't get paid to be on this board, but um, I've gotten so much great information about how to run our business and maybe my life as well. I mean, it's yeah, really been wow. it's really been great. Um, for instance, one of the things we found out was, um, or we we just saw the trends of people were buying more on the outside of the grocery stores, not groceries, not packaged groceries, but produce, yeah. um, you know, the fresh foods mm-hmm. and cafe grab and go items. Well, we just uh, after ten years built a brand new store. We went up from about 12,000 square feet. The new one's 23,000 square feet. We opened a year ago. Um, so we, we doubled, almost doubled our size, uh, but we didn't double the size of the grocery department because that's not where, where things are going. People want fresh food. They want to get stuff. So, so, um, you know, we are constantly tweaking our store. That was a big tweak. Um, our cafe got huge and our, all the other fresh foods got at least double in size because that's the way things were going. That's what people wanted. So we and were always were, investing. You mm-hmm. were able to learn that because you were connected with these other people. Connected with these <clears throat> other people, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a great, um, I love that story because you went into a business that you knew nothing about. <laughs> right. And um, yeah. not only the, not only the niche, uh, but also just the model. You didn't know anything really about natural foods and except, except that you liked to eat them. And you didn't know anything <laughs> right. about running a retail establishment or a food store. So um, right. you had to make yourself, you had to not know something. And then you had to ask questions and find the right people to ask. Yep. You know, and, yep. and that's, but anybody Absolutely. can do that. And I think a lot of times people are afraid to make themselves, to not know or to to show others that they don't know. <laughs> yeah, and, I would yeah. say you're absolutely right. I'd say when I'm in these meetings, I'm still in these meetings. I'm probably the only person, you know, and I was the chairperson of the board of this committee. I'm probably the only person that doesn't work in the store or didn't come from yeah. 30 years of the background. Um, and I still have no problem asking questions. I, you know, people, I think people think they're going to be thought of, as you mentioned, they're going to think 
that people are going to think they are dumb if they ask right. questions. Yes, I or an imposter. Care. Like, what do they think they are? You know, yeah. I, you know, and I don't care. And what I find is, I ask these questions, and everybody nods their head, like, "Yeah, I didn't know what you were talking about either." Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so people just think that everybody else knows, but nobody does, and nobody's going to think worse of you if you ask questions, even if they don't sound like they're intelligent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, before we wrap up, um, I I get a feeling you're probably a reader. Is that true? Are sure. you a reader? Yeah. Sure. Do you yeah. are are there business resources that you um, recommend or books or, you know, things that have helped you along the way that you'd recommend to listeners? Oh gosh, I wish I could, but I, I don't have a memory for that. Okay. <laughs> I write them that, is, that is not my forte. There's that is not your forte. That my forte. <clears throat> well, my you memory know, of books is not one of them. Your memory of books is not one. Well, and no. I think that when, one thing that I like about that as well is, um, and Dave, our, my co-host, um, who's not with us today is he's a, he's a real book lover and often, it, I'll be kind of called upon to share a resource and I'll like, I don't remember. I know I read it someplace. I absorb information a lot of ways. And one of the best ways that I get information and learn is by talking to other people. And that's, you know, that is also valid. Like, and just by you, the way you're learning by being part of sure. the, and the board that you're on, um, there's all different ways to absorb information. So I, so if you're a listener, if listener, if you're a listener, not a reader, if you're a talker, um, or an internet browser, <laughs> an internet surfer, that's okay too. You don't have to necessarily have a library um, in your head at all times, but. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, any, any, I guess, parting words or pieces of advice you'd have for someone who's just getting started, um, maybe thinking about retirement or investing um, and how to set themselves up kind of the way you've done for later in life. Well, I'd say you, you talked about the last, de- the lost decade of the, maybe the twenties. Yeah. And I was just having this conversation with my daughter who just finished um, college, you met the other day, I th- or almost yeah. met the other day, we didn't introduce <laughs> each other, but she just got her first real job. And I said, hon, we got to set up a Roth IRA for you and just start saving right away. Um, you know, if everybody could save at least 10%, even without a goal, just start saving 10% in some type of, of um, mutual fund, mm. hopefully in a Roth IRA, if they're not making much money or talk to, again, talk to a financial planner, but have a at least start savings, even if you don't have a plan in place, yeah. start saving some, 10% of your money that will go a long way. And one other thing for anybody thinking about starting a business, one of the thing I've always done from early on is I take care of my clients, especially my top clients. You know, there's yeah. the 80-20 rule, 80% of your business is coming from 20% of your clients. It's the same thing in the investment business, almost the same thing in grocery business. And those top customers in my investment business, I wined and dined every year. Could be just a small thing. Could have been theater tickets to one of my shows. Um, we do the same thing at the grocery store. We 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 give them a nice rebate at the end of the year, depending on what they spend, and the top top customers get more. But mm-hmm. whatever whatever business you're in, take care. If you're if, you know if as, as any kind of a sales job, anyways, especially take care of those top customers because they're the ones that are going to take care of you refer business to you and, um, and make your life into what you want it. That's to really be. great advice. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Joe. It's been great having you on the show. Um, it's, I mean, I know you're not really, you don't really have an online presence per se, but if someone wanted to look you up, could they find you on LinkedIn or something? They could. I don't think I have a picture. I might have to put one oh. up there. Um, <laughs> okay. They could find me on LinkedIn. They could go to goodharvestmarket.com and take yeah. a look at the, our beautiful store. If you're in the Milwaukee area, um, where, where is, is it Waukesha? 
Uh, Waukesha. Waukesha, is, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> a, no, that's all right. It's all right. It's an Indian name. Uh, it's the county to the to the left, to the west of Milwaukee County. So we're just outside of Milwaukee County. Nice, well-to-do, lots of lakes in the area. Yeah. Great uh, tourist area and a wonderful store to go to and a nice cafe. Yeah, I was going to say, swing by lunch. that cafe. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much. It's been great having you on. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Life Work Podcast. Build your business and design your life with us every day, Monday through Friday. And find us at lifeworkpodcast.com.